Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's Precious Metals News. It's Friday, February 26th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. So I was looking back over my notes for the show this morning and realized I'm a little bit salty today. This may be a a prickly show, so... Let's get into it. This time last week, I was talking about gold falling below the 1775 support level. And we rebounded early this week, got back above $1,800 an ounce. But on Thursday, there was another sell-off. Gold dropped about 1.5% and dipped below 1775 again. In fact, this morning, we're still selling. And gold is at about 1760 as I'm recording this episode. Now, the catalyst here is rising bond yields. Early Wednesday morning, the bond market got clobbered, took a big dive. Uh, Long-term interest rates spiked. The yield on the 10-year Treasury pushed to 1.43%. The yield on the 30-year was nearly up to 2.3%. Yesterday, we saw another big jump in bond yields with the 10-year climbing over 1.5% and the 20-year just over 2.3%. Now, this still isn't particularly high in historical terms, but it was the highest yield we've seen since the pandemic collapse. And more significantly, it just continues this relentless move up in interest rates that we've seen over the last couple of months. Now, investors are interpreting these rising interest rates as good news for the economy. They see this as economic strength. A Reuters report I read about the drop in gold prices was all rainbows and kittens. Even 730,000 more people filing for unemployment was good news. Here's how Reuters spun it. Data showed fewer Americans filed new claims for unemployment benefits last week. Well, yippee skippy, only 730,000 new unemployment claims. As I talked about in the show last week, we're still significantly above the number of jobless claims posted during the worst week of the 2008 recession. And we've run those numbers week after week after week for nearly a year. But hey, nothing to see here. As Reuters tells it, rising bond yields are just a sign of growing optimism about the economy. This is all good news, ladies and gentlemen. And you know what? I'm quite certain a lot of people believe that. But that's not why bond yields are spiking, not in my view. This is all about inflation. You know, it's interesting that the dollar index is still barely above 90. The greenback has strengthened a little bit, but nothing compared to what you would expect with this route we've seen in the bond market. You know, there are signs of inflation all around us, and I've talked about this over the last couple of episodes. Copper prices are at a 10-year high, and we're actually less than 50 cents from the record high in copper. Oil was above $63 a barrel yesterday. Lumber prices are at record levels. Uh, We have beans in the teens. Heck, we may have beans in the 20s before too long. In fact, agricultural commodities in general are pushing up. Now, I see the plausibility of this argument that this is economic bullishness. You know, demand for all of these commodities is going to increase as the global economy improves. But look, everything is going up across the board. And it's not just commodities. I mean, go to the grocery store. Now, I'm told that by definition, this is inflation, right? Rising prices is inflation, according to the mainstream. Now, of course, the real definition of inflation is an increase in the money supply. And we certainly have had that. But the pundits all tell us that inflation is really rising prices. That's what we have to watch out for. Well, prices are rising, right? But now we're being told, no, this isn't really inflation. This is just economic bullishness. Well, 
I'm going to call a spade a spade. This is all a sign of inflation that the Fed has been creating for almost a year. The spike in commodity prices, rising bond yields, dollar weakness, you know, uh, increasing prices at the grocery store, all of it. Think about this. At the end of January, the yearly growth rate of the U.S. money supply measured by the AMS closed at 76.7% against 4.8% in January 2020. So rising prices should come as no surprise given that we've had this massive inflation in the money supply. Now, I went over this last week, but it bears going over again and again and again. The thinking is, well, the economy is getting better. That means the Fed is going to tighten sooner than expected. I mean, that's how it works, right? You have monetary and fiscal stimulus while the economy is struggling, and then you tighten as it improves. I guess everybody is convinced that that's what the Fed is going to do because that's what the Fed does. Now, this isn't just me speculating here. I'm not putting words in the mainstream's mouth. I mean, for example, I read an ING economist who was out there telling everybody that the Fed is going to back off QE and back off QE soon. Quote, we suspect that the pressure for change will build through the second quarter with a tapering of QE looking increasingly likely before year end. But as I've said over and over again, the Fed can't. It can't stop buying bonds. It can't let interest rates rise. You can't have anything approaching normal rates. And by normal, I'm talking about even 2 or 3% when your entire economy is built on debt. So why do people think the Fed is going to tighten? I mean, I have no clue. They're telling you that they're not going to tighten, and yet everybody thinks they're going to tighten. So that brings us to Jerome Powell, who was on Capitol Hill this week, or at least virtually. And he told us again, Rates aren't going up. QE is not going to end. The balance sheet is not going to shrink. In a nutshell, Powell said that it may take three years for the Fed to hit its 2% inflation target. Three years. In effect, Powell was telling the market, hey, don't worry, we won't be tightening monetary policy for years. This despite the fact that the commodity markets are screaming inflation. Oil, industrial metals, grains, beans, they're all screaming inflation. Prices that we see every day is screaming inflation. But Powell says there's no inflation. I hate to be uncharitable, but the dude is lying. Last week, I talked about the fact that the Fed is all set to run a big PR campaign to convince you that inflation isn't inflation. Well, the campaign is on. During his two days of testimony, Powell downplayed inflation over and over again. For instance, he said, we do expect that inflation will move up, but we don't expect the effects on inflation will be particularly large or persistent. So there's inflation, but there's not inflation or something. Another example, Powell blew off rising auto prices, blaming it on a chip shortage and supply chain constraints. But he said that doesn't necessarily lead to inflation because inflation is a process that repeats itself year over year over year rather than being a one-time surge. So rising prices are inflation except when they aren't, I guess. Look, As you can see, this is all BS. Powell is lying his butt off. He has to tell you that there is no inflation because the Fed's policy is dependent on no inflation and it is rolling full speed down a one-way street. But if you listen closely, you can discern the truth in the middle of this big lie. 
The truth is this. The Fed isn't going to let interest rates rise, inflation or not. That means no end to quantitative easing. In fact, I strongly suspect QE is going to actually increase before the end of the year. Look, the only way the Fed can stop interest rates from rising, and it has to keep interest rates from rising, right? The only way it can do that is to increase its quantitative easing. It has to intervene in the market and buy more bonds to boost prices and hold yields down. There is a glut of bonds in the marketplace already. That's what the market's telling us. And we've got more stimulus coming down the pike. I hear the House may approve this $1.9 trillion stimulus bill today. Perhaps we have an infrastructure bill after that. That means more government borrowing, and that means the Treasury is going to be selling even more bonds. So who in the heck is going to buy all this debt? Foreign buyers are actually unloading treasuries. Foreign holdings of U.S. treasuries slipped by $35 billion in the fourth quarter of 2020. The Chinese shrunk their U.S. debt holdings by $8 billion last year. So the Fed is taking up the slack. Now, Powell claims that the central bank isn't really impacting the bond market. He says there's plenty of demand out there. I call BS on that, too. The Fed now holds a record percentage of U.S. debt. No joke, a record. The Federal Reserve added another $253 billion to its Treasury holdings in the fourth quarter, according to the Treasury International Capital data that came out on February 16th. That brought the central bank's U.S. bond holdings to $4.7 trillion dollars. The Federal Reserve now holds a record 17.5% of all U.S. debt. The Fed share of the U.S. debt load exploded from just 9.3% in the first quarter of 2020 to that current level. Without the Federal Reserve putting its big fat thumb on the bond market, Uncle Sam would find it very difficult to continue his spending spree. You can't borrow cheap money when cheap money's not cheap. Interest rates would have to soar in order to entice average investors to buy U.S. Treasuries. The market would collapse. So what's the Fed's response going to be to rising inflation? It's going to create more inflation. It's going to buy more bonds with more money created out of thin air. So the lie is that there's no inflation. The truth is that the Fed is going to pretend there is no inflation and continue its monetary policy as if there's no inflation. And folks, this is good news for gold in the long run. It's good news for silver in the long run. Gold and silver are basically the only commodities not going up right now because the mainstream has got this all wrong. At least that's the way I see it. I just can't fathom that the Fed is actually going to tighten monetary policy anytime soon. I could be wrong, but I don't see it. All of the bubbles would pop and the economy would crash. I mean, really the way I see it, one of two things is going to happen eventually. Either the economy or the dollar is going to crash. I guess the Fed's going to have to make that choice. But until then, Powell and company are going to keep pretending there's no choice to make. They're going to keep going down this path. They're going to keep printing money. They're going to keep buying bonds. They're going to keep interest rates low because that's the fork that the Fed knows. Before I close the show, I want to touch on some news out of India that could impact supply and demand dynamics for gold this year. Some policy shifts recently announced by the Indian government in its union budget will likely have a positive impact on the country's gold market. Now, keep in mind, India ranks as the second largest gold-consuming country in the world, only behind China. 
The three key policy changes that will likely impact the gold market are a reduction in the gold import duty, authorization for the Security Exchange Board of India, SEBI, to regulate domestic gold spot exchanges, and the establishment of welfare schemes for rural areas that are designed to boost incomes. Analysts at the World Gold Council project that the cut in import taxes could boost gold demand by as much as 13 tons. That's this year alone. Now, generally, I'm not a fan of regulation, but in today's market environment, the SEBI will likely be a positive for the Indian gold market. It could spur infrastructure development and will likely lead to higher trading and more effective gold price discovery in the domestic gold market. So basically just market stability. As far as the rural welfare program goes, again, not really a fan of welfare, but it will put money in the pockets of rural Indians who account for around two-thirds of the nation's gold demand. This is heavily linked to income levels. More money in people's pockets will almost certainly mean more people buying gold. Keep in mind, this is the primary way that Indians store their wealth. The Indian gold market is already showing signs of revival after languishing over the last couple of years. The pandemic crushed demand, as it did in many places, particularly for gold jewelry. But record high gold prices in rupee terms and government policy put a drag on the gold market even before COVID-19. There were already signs of a turnaround late last year, and it has continued through the first weeks of 2021. A further recovery in the Indian gold market would boost global demand and would be supportive more generally for gold prices. Now, I'm still of the mind that this big sell-off that we've seen is a buying opportunity. If you want to get some more insight into the nuts and bolts of the gold and silver markets, uh, more information about what the Federal Reserve is doing to our money, how gold and silver can support and increase your portfolio value, I highly recommend talking to a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist. You can do that just by calling 1-888-GOLD-160, or if you prefer, you can shoot them an email at info at shiftgold.com. Somebody will get back with you. These guys are fantastic, and they can help you work precious metals into your investment strategy. So that is the gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more. And keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com slash news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes on the Shift Gold YouTube channel, a couple other places. Links to those things are on the show notes page. I appreciate you listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend.